Willkommen, Werner, to Kvasir's Corner, your gateway to the Viking Age. My name's Jacob, and joining me today, you know him, you love him, the illustrious Jay is here with us. Jay, how are we doing today? Oh, you know, uh, I started some some new medication, so I've been sleeping a lot, which is great. Excellent. That's a good thing. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. But... Anyway, we're back. We haven't recorded anything for a little while, took a little break, and now we're back to bring all of you, the audience, the Viking content you have been waiting for. So, yeah, exciting stuff. So, today we are going to start our discussion on the Norse mythology. All that stuff that you all know and love. Probably the stuff that everyone knows most about the Vikings, I would Mm. think. You know, yeah. I mean, what, what would you say? I would, I would say that the yeah. Mythology I mean, especially considering all that media has put out, especially with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I feel like everybody at least thinks that they uh they know what's going on with Norse mythology. Mm, yeah, at everyone, least the basics. They know who Thor is yeah. and Loki, and that's probably the general no- general public's extent of the knowledge. But yeah. Oh, but there's so much more there that we get to uncover for the world. All right. So before we jump into our discussion about mythology, specifically looking at the prose Edda, it is time for our social media plugs. Kvasir's Corner is presented by Minnesota's own Viking Encampment. If you'd like to stay up to date with the encampment and get more fun and informational Viking content, please follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Viking Encampment, as well as on Twitter and TikTok at Viking Encamp MN. If you've been enjoying Kvasir's Corner or any of our other content, such as our Hell or High Water Dungeons and Dragons series, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We have many different support levels, each with special exclusive rewards for your support. These include early content access, behind the scenes content, access to the VE's private Discord server, digital hangouts with the Vikings, and at the highest level, the status of honored guest at our our in-person events. If you love our digital and in-person content and would like to see us expand to create even more, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash Viking Encampment. Thank you for all your support. Skull. Wow, weren't those great, Jay? That sounds like a lot <laughs> so of great good. Oh, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, as I literally just mentioned, we are going to start talking about the Norse mythology. You know, all those those classic stories of Odin the Allfather, Thor the Thunderer, Frey and Freya, the uh, brothers, brother and sister of fertility and the harvest and so much more besides that. And what we're going to be looking at is the source known as the Prose Edda. Now, the Prose Edda was written in about, um, I used to know the date offhand, but now I don't. I just thought uh, it was the 13th century. That's as close yeah. as I can get you. Yep. So about thir- 13th century Iceland. So that would be the, the 1200s, uh, if you prefer, prefer that. Um, some people prefer that. I, I don't know. I don't judge time, time to think like that. <laughs> um, so the Prosetta, it is a collection of stories uh, about the gods, about heroes, and all that stuff uh, that we all 
kind of think about and gravitate to when we think about mythology. And it really is kind of the only source we have to draw um, knowledge on mythology from. There isn't really a lot of other existent pieces that, that we could look at to create an understanding of mythology for, for the Norse. And so we get to delve into that today, and I'm very excited because there is a lot to unpack with all this. Yes. So, so Jay, I hope you're, you're ready for the ride we're going to go on. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. It's just <laughs> on, on the tip of the tongue. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the first thing that we need to kind of talk about uh, when discussing the prose edda is the context of when it was written. So, you know, who wrote it, when, you know, we talked a little bit about when, but mm -hmm. kind of more specifically when, what was going on historically that might have influenced the, the writing and, uh, and things like that. So, um, so Jay, what, what do you kind of, kind of know about who wrote it or about some, some influences that, uh of things like that? Yeah, well, uh, so it was written by a man named Snorri Sigurdsson, um, who I believe was uh, from Iceland. Um, and it was just a collection of stories uh, that he gathered from, you know, at that point it was all spoken word, like relaying history of old, all of your the old traditions and, and stories from uh, pre-Christian times. Um which is about as much as I know about Snorri himself. I don't know much about him other than he wrote the book. He was mm. a Christian. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he was that, from Iceland. He was. That, that is 100 years spot on with all that. Um, so yes, Snorra uh, Sturluson. Um, he was the son of an Icelandic chieftain. Uh, they were sometimes referred to as Gothi, but I think that term is kind of taken a, a different meaning than mm -hmm. what it might have meant back in the day because of modern religious practice. Um, but, you know, a, an Icelandic chieftain uh, whose name was Sturla, um, that's a tangent that we could go on some <laughs> other time, but we'll, we'll stay away from, Stur, uh, from Sturla at the moment. But so Snorri was the son of this chieftain Sturla, and he, as he kind of grew up in Iceland, he kind of rose in the ranks of Icelandic uh, aristocracy. Yeah, aristocracy is the yeah. word. We'll use that one. Um, and <laughs> sure. he, he became a very powerful, prominent man in Icelandic uh, politics. He was named the, the law speaker for all of Iceland twice, twice during his lifetime. And was often found in the courts and the the halls of great Norwegian kings uh, back in back in Norway. Uh, however, his dalliances in politics didn't always end well. Uh, in fact, towards the end of his life, he made a lot of very powerful enemies. Not a good thing to have. Don't we all, though? <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I sleep with a knife under my pillow. I have an axe next to my bed, you know, yes. we got to do what you got to do. You don't need to get ready if you're always ready. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Snorri, Snorri was not ready uh, for when the kings of Norway sent two of his former son-in-laws to assassinate him. And I believe it was 1279 is when we attribute the death of Snorri. 
Uh, so kings of Norway send his own son-in-laws to assassinate him, and they find him hiding in the basement, and they kill him. And that's the end of Snorri Sturluson. So that, that's the background of the author. But as you pointed out, Jay, he was a Christian. A lot of people were at the time. Yes, yes. At that, <laughs> at that point in Iceland, you know, Christianity was the religion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, Twelfth, like, um, when was the conversion? Do Do you know when the um, conversion? I I don't know exactly when the conversion was. I mean, I I know that uh, the the quote end of the Viking Age uh, is accredited to be around 1066. Um, so considering it's snore, we're talking. Uh, like 200 years after that, uh, you know, it's it's definitely at that point. Yeah. The whole Christianization has has been pretty widespread. Yes, for sure. Um, I'm trying to remember it, if it was Norway whose conversion was in the year 1000 or if it was Iceland who was the year 1000. But definitely by the 13th century, by the time Snorra Sturluson is writing the or at least compiling the Prosetta. Christianity was the the norm religion um, of of the time, and you know the the myths that we see in the Prosetta were still kind of respected and understood. But it seems more so from like a cultural heritage standpoint, mm -hmm. more so than from a religious belief standpoint. Yeah. Um. But to to the point that you you brought up that. Snorra was a Christian, as was a lot, all of Iceland at the time. It brings up an interesting question of kind of how much of the Edda, of the Prose Edda, is that kind of pure understanding that would have been in the pre Christian era, and how much of it was influenced by Christian ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a question to consider when when reading this how much is viking and how much is christian influence you know yeah yeah exactly um so it's it's in you know in in wow but <laughs> and cut <laughs> it is interesting dynamic uh to, to try to think about when you look at uh, and we're, we'll go through all the stories of mm. uh, this show at some point. But when you look at some of the stories uh, about Odin's son, Baldur, and then you compare the depictions and things to, um, you know, Jesus Christ in the, in the Christian uh, system, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of those kind of interesting little similarities that can be seen. Yeah. And so as a historian or as reenactors or people trying to get in the headspace of the Vikings, you know, we have to play with the idea of, you know, what exactly, what would the Vikings have thought? Yeah. And the understanding that the, no the, the evidence that we have isn't necessarily concrete. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it, a lot of the evidence and unfortunately, just due to the the fact that the Vikings didn't have as much of a written material culture, couldn't be bothered. Yeah, they were too busy <laughs> doing other stuff. We're they killed. got they got farms to do. They, <laughs> they don't have time to write stuff down. Yeah, right. I got tend to my chickens. <laughs> I don't think Vikings had chickens, did they? I don't. They, know. Had, they had chickens. They, they, they had chickens. Had chickens. Yeah. <laughs> 
Got it. Tend to my chickens. Oh <laughs> boy, go check the chickens. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's something that is always kind of in the back of our minds when reading the Edda. Or maybe not always in the back of my mind. It's in the back of my mind. <laughs> but I'm... I've, I've noticed uh, the first time I read it, um, I was like, this is so great. And then after I did more research uh, about it and, and learned more about Viking history and culture as a whole, I read it again and I was like, hmm, very suspicious. <laughs> This seems like something I've read somewhere else. Or at this least seems a bit off. <laughs> so uh, when, when you, the audience, if you ever get the chance to read the Eddas or, you know, have read them before and want to just revisit them, see if you can find those, those little pieces where, um, you know, there might be Christian influence or where, you know, where those things are and just kind of consider, uh, you know, how, how that might fit in historically, how that might fit into what we know about Vikings and their, their worldview. Uh, a fun, fun little challenge from us here at Crosshair's Corner. Do some reading. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes, reading's good for you. <laughs> but, you know, this, uh, this idea of Christian influence versus Norse understanding or however you want to say it um, is something we're going to be touching on pretty soon, I believe. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, very excited. Uh, eventually, in one of our episodes, I don't, I don't know how much I want to give away for our audience because I want you guys to be in suspense and be excited. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are going to be inviting my mother on, who is a Christian pastor, um, and also, you know, my family has uh, long-standing heritage with Norse, um, I, with you know, with Norway and Sweden. So she, uh, she has a lot to say on on uh, Christianity in regards to Norse uh, culture. So that'll be a very fun time. Very excited yeah. for this. Yeah, I'm I'm jacked about that one. When, <laughs> whenever, whenever the pieces fall into place for that episode. She, I... she texts me every every couple of days and she's like, uh, when when are we doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like we've we've got other stuff going on. She's like, okay, okay, that's fine. Just, I'm really excited. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I'm like, I know mom. <laughs> It, it's going to be good. It is going to be. It's going to be good. And my job is going to be easy because you're going to be here. Luke's going to be here. If you guys yeah. don't know who Luke is yet, you'll know. You'll know. Yeah. Um, and and your mom's going to be here. There's going to be so much information. I can just kind of sit back and listen and then take it all in. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to be fun. So keep your uh, eyes and ears peeled for that one, our dear audience, because that's yes, gonna be yes, fun. yes. So now we've established a, a albeit brief. Uh, but we've established a context for when the, the prose edda was written, who wrote it, a little bit about what uh, kind of influences and biases he would have had. Um, and now, without further ado, why don't we dive into the Edda itself Ooh. and kind of dig into what, what good old Snorra Sturluson wrote down for us and what we can glean. So um, the, the prose edda, um, I would recommend the um, the copy from Penguin Classics if you don't have a copy and are looking for a copy to buy. I'd recommend the the Penguin Classics edition. It was mm -hmm. written by Dr. Jesse Bayek, who I believe still is a professor of Old Norse and Medieval Scandinavian Studies at uh, UCLA. I believe he's still there. I 
honestly haven't checked in a long time. Yeah, but, I wouldn't be able to fact check that for you. Yeah, yeah that's all right. But if uh, the audience, anyone in the audience wants to get a copy or doesn't have a copy, highly recommend it. He's got a great introduction, yes. great notes throughout. Um, so check, check that out if you are interested in getting a hard copy. We will also be leaving a copy to, or a link to a digital copy in the notes of this podcast. So if you don't want to go out and buy one, we've got a link to a free digital copy that you can peruse at, at your leisure. Very fancy. Very fancy indeed. We, we look out for you guys on Kvasir's Corner. We hope you out. <laughs> so um, the, the prose edda, it begins with a, a prologue written by Snorri Sturluson, as we've said. And it's in this prologue that you can really, really, without a shadow of a doubt, see the Christian influence. In the uh, beginning. Exactly. It, <laughs> right there. Starts. The the prologue to the prose that it starts. In the beginning, Almighty God created heaven and earth and all that pertains to them. So right away, first line, already establishing that this Norse mythology that we're about to read is seen through a Christian world perspective. Yeah, there's no getting around that. No, he is very <laughs> in your face. Yeah. The, you know, what we know about, you know, Christianity and Christian creation, he is putting that at the forefront. Yeah, he um, goes all the way into Adam and Eve, into Noah, all of it. Yeah. So, you know, as, as would have been the expectation of a... Yeah of a learned person uh, of, a, of the Christian faith at the time, he puts everything into the Christian worldview and the Christian perspective. So as, mm -hmm. as you said, um, God created heaven and earth, Adam and Eve, they, you know, are fruitful. They multiply, they, ex they extend the earth, Noah's flood. Um, you know, I, I apologize if people aren't, um, brushed up on on christian parables and, and things of that nature that's outside of this podcast i'm sure there are plenty um plenty that that's for the episode with my mom yes it's that she's one. she's just gonna read the bible to us but she <laughs> has she's gonna put her own little notes in there throughout it's mm -hmm. quite comical there you go <laughs> that's so, not gonna be the episode i promise everyone <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to turn people away Everyone signs off right now. Like, we're done. Oh, dang it. Um, so, so anyway, back to the, the prologue and in the beginning. Uh, the, the first whole section is just establishing how, based on the Christian worldview, people settled the earth. So Adam and Eve, Noah's flood, people repopulate after the flood. They spread throughout the world, and they forget the name of God, and they forget... To praise the the God of Adam and Eve and and all all of that sort of thing, and Sora then goes on to you know kind of lament this loss of um, Christianity uh, or of you know the the Christian God in early human in early human history, and then kind of seems to tie it in to um, tries to tie it back to the Vikings and the people of the North. And mm -hmm. that this is why they didn't know the true God and why they had to make these stories to, yeah. um, you know, because they didn't know any better. Um, so, you you know, <laughs> we've said it a, a few times, but very much in your face, Sonora is saying, 
Christianity. These are stories. Christianity is the thing. Well, Um, and I mean, at the time and where he was, I mean, it wasn't much of a, this is how it was. Everyone was just like, oh, yeah, okay, that's how it was. Just everybody knows that. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's how it begins. And so right off the bat, as a kind of a critical thinking or a reader who thinks critically, you already kind of have the question, okay, so he's bringing in this worldview. How is that going to influence what else is written? Does he have enough credibility to kind of separate the two things or, or not? And those are things we won't ever know. You know, yeah, I'm, there's there's a lot of theories. Uh, you can probably find thousands of of uh, uh, debates between scholars on it. Mm-hmm. That's not what this show is entirely, no, though. No, not not <laughs> really. We we try our best, but yeah. Know. Well, I I will be the first to say I don't have all the answers, and there are people yeah. who spent much longer than I have studying stuff like this, and they don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's fun about history you get to kind of develop it's a lifelong thing of learning and asking questions and i can hear some people falling asleep after i said that just now <laughs> wake but, up wake up we're talking <laughs> <laughs> uh we're, we're on a tear today jay this is fun yeah we are a <laughs> comedic uh gold mine i know it so much <laughs> we, should, uh, we should get paid <laughs> <laughs> Who do I talk to about this? I don't know. I might I might have to make some phone calls. All right, all right. So so the, the first part of Snorri Sturluson's prologue is establishing the Christian worldview of how humanity came to populate the earth. The second part is really a geographical study of what the world looked like to a medieval Icelander. And this is a really, really cool part to, to me because it shows how... Um, there was a very at least commonal understanding of the geography and things of that nature of the known world at the time. Obviously, no one's talking about America yet, which they could have because Vinland was known. Um, but it, in this this stage, Nora just describes the world as Europe, Africa, and Asia. Um, you know, it, this honestly seems like such a kind of throwaway, random little piece uh, that I sometimes wonder why it's included. I don't know if you ever thought that, Jay, or have any kind yeah. of insight on that. Um, well, one thing I think uh, that might attribute to it is, as we'll get you know, more into the actual stories with the creation of the world um, in Norse mythology is there's the Muspil and the Nifil, which is the fire in the world, the world of fire and the world of ice. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've heard theories that this world of fire was Africa as Snorri understood it. You know, it's hot, oh. it's fiery. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Nifilheim, that was up in Scandinavia where it was icy and only crazy people wanted to live there. Yeah. And then there's the the middle ground, you know, mm. of of where a lot of Christianity started in like, you know, the Mediterranean area yeah. into 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 um like the United Kingdom, the current United Kingdom. Um mm. 
So that's that's one of the theories that I've heard about, you know, how why this is um, an important tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just a theory. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Yeah, and that would make a lot of sense based on Snorri's MO of kind mm-hmm. of trying to put the Norse mythology into a you know Christian context and into yeah. a physical context of this is what we can see. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I could definitely see the argument for that. I've never considered that before, but that's actually a very interesting, very interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Snorri describes what he calls the three parts of the world. He describes the, the the north being Europe, and then Africa and Asia, and briefly, just briefly, excuse me, describes the kind of weather: Africa being hot and scorched by the sun, Europe and its northern regions are so cold that no grass grows and no one can subsist there, and then talks about Asia as everything in this part of the world is beautiful and stately, and the earth produces gold and gemstones. Um, And then talks about the middle of the world, uh, which would be kind of Turkey, the Middle East, uh, the Middle East area, um, and says, just as the earth in that region is more beautiful and better in all ways and other places, so too the people there were most endowed with all blessings, wisdom and strength, beauty and every kind of skill. Sounds a so, bit biased, if you ask uh, me. Just a little bit. It sounds like he does have a bit of favoritism for for this middle of the world. Just um, a bit. Just a little bit. Um, which you know, if you take into account that he is promoting uh, the the faith from from there, makes sense. You know, makes you sense. want you would want to establish it as a, a place of of power and understanding, mm-hmm. but of also culture. of culture. But also, um, in the next stanza, he attributes um, the Norse gods themselves mm-hmm. as being from this region. So, following his description of the three parts of the world, comes the people of Troy and Thor. I, I bet no one has really put Thor, the uh, the you know thunder god, in league with Troy and Brad Pitt. If you Chris seen Hemsworth them. himself, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth and Brad Pitt. Who knew they were the who same knew? person? They were. You anyway, ever seen or, them in the same movie? Didn't think so. No, I've never seen them in the same room together. Mm. Now we know. It's been found out. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> So, so anyway, going from the, the three parts of the world, uh, Snorri then talks about the people of Troy and the, the wonderful city of Troy in the, the region called Turkey. And he says, it was built much larger than others and in many ways with greater skill. Neither cost nor the resources of the country were spared. And then he goes into the, um, the kind of breakdown of the kingdoms, that there were 12 kingdoms, a high king and all that stuff. Um, and then he talks about um, the, this one king, this king named, I can't pronounce. Uh, Menon? Menon? Yeah, Menon or Munin. Um, yeah, so there's one king, either Munin or Menon, however you want to pronounce that. There's two options in the, in the story. He was married to uh, the daughter of King Priam. And so if you've read the Iliad, uh, King Priam is a very important person. So there, just right there, Snorri is putting the 
Norse mythology into the realm of more kind of culturally understood Latin and mm-hmm. Greek um, mythic legends. Um, yeah. So again, you, you're seeing that outside influence uh, being used to kind of create a more acceptable for the time Norse mythology. Um, if if that makes sense, I'm. I would you say that's your interpretation of it, Jay? That's my reading, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I I I would agree with that. Um, you know, trying to to relate um, what the current people know so that it's more easily digestible, and also so he doesn't end up you know getting in trouble from the Christian mm-hmm. church. You know, yep. that's also something to keep in mind. The Christian church would get kind of mad if you said anything bad about Christianity. Um, yeah. Yep. So, and, um, and if, and if he, um, you know, tried to establish these characters as gods. Yeah. Uh, Cause that, that goes probably dangerously close to creating false idols. And that's yeah. not something that, that uh, they would cut. <laughs> they don't like that. <laughs> no. But uh, continuing on with the description of Troy and its peoples. So King King Menon or Moonen marries the daughter of King Priam, and they have a son who is named Thor. And then Snorri goes on to say, the one we call Thor. So he is a sta- he's connecting Thor with this Trojan hero, Thor, which I've also heard uh, some scholars debate or conjecture that he's connected to Hector, okay. the the hero, the Trojan hero from the Iliad, killed That's by Achilles. That's my mom's dog's name. Hector or Achilles? Yeah, H- Hector. Hector. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good name. It's a good name. Um, but, you, you know, it, you could see how that connection could be made. Mm-hmm. And, you know. The kind of root ending of Hector, Hector. Yeah. Well, and he, he, yeah, it's, you know, I think especially uh, for uh, people at the time, it was really easy to be like, oh, Tror sounds a lot like Thor. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. They're the same person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, just trying to put it into a context that's easily digestible for the audience mm-hmm. who's going to read it. You know, and it's interesting because apart from learning about Norse mythology, we can glean a lot about Christianized medieval Icelanders and their understanding of the world at this point as well. So, you know, you would think probably still playing with that misconception of Vikings as being insular and, you know, not really understanding the world outside of what they were living in. Mm-hmm. But here is Snorra Sturluson who, you know, was an educated man. He, you know, traveled from Iceland to Norway, and he has an understanding of the Iliad. You know, I don't think that's something that a lot of people today can say they have an understanding of the Iliad. I don't. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I've I've seen the movie. I've tried to read it a couple times, but, you know, I'm a Viking historian. You know, being a Viking historian, I really haven't had a need to read the Iliad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's demonstrating at least a base level knowledge of these Greco-Roman mythic legends. Um, so once again, kind of a slap in the face to the misconception that 
Um, early medieval peoples didn't know anything. I mean, clearly they have an understanding of classic literature. Um, so just a fun little side observation on, mm -hmm. on that score. <clears throat> because when, when you read a historical source, you know, there's a lot that can be gleaned and a lot that you can learn besides just the um, words on the page, what the words on the page mm -hmm. tell you. It just takes a little bit more critical thought. Yeah. But that's it. I enjoy those little puzzles and things like that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I really nerded out there for that for a couple minutes. <laughs> that's okay. That's like the entire point of this podcast, isn't it? That yep. we just get to nerd out. It's true. That's very true. And other people have to listen to it. <laughs> well, they take we would like it if you did, good audience. We would really like it if you did. Yeah, please. Please stay. Please. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, so lonely. It's so lonely in the dark. <laughs> they don't let us out unless we get views and listen <laughs> to subscribers. Uh, so Nora continues to describe the um, exploits of Thor. Um, yeah. Or Thor, okay. Thor. Everyone uh, knows that Thor is a great, you know, fierce warrior. So I think it makes sense that he's trying to, you know, relate that to this hero, Thor. You know, like, look at all these great things he did. Yeah, he did do really good things. That's a fact. Yes, exactly right. Um, and we we are introduced in this part to uh, some more characters that will come up uh, when we get it deeper into the Edda. We're introduced to Sybil or Sif, who is um, Thor's wife. Uh, we're also introduced to... Um, some of Thor's sons, at least in name, we've got Magni and Modi, who, when we go deeper into the, the Edda, will, will come up a few times. Um, and then Snorra just goes on and lists the descendants of Thor. And there was a bunch of descendants, a bunch of sons. And then we get down to... Um, uh, Friedlif? Yep, Friedli, Fredlif. Um, I guess, however, whatever. We should know how to pronounce this, but like, you know, <laughs> as, es as established earlier, we're not paid. Uh, so, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do our best. We do our best. Then we're introduced to uh, one of Thor's descendants named Friedlif. And it is said Friedlif had a son named Voden, the mm -hmm. one we call Odin. <gasps> An excellent man because of his wisdom and because he had every kind of accomplishment. His wife, named Frigida, we call Frigg. So right there, we have now met the, the king and queen of the Aesir. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting um, that in uh, Snorri's uh, interpretation of this, Odin is a descendant of Thor. Yeah, because in in the stories and like the actual myths, you know, Thor is Odin's son. So mm -hmm. I think that I just I think that's interesting. Um, just tying the two those two people together uh, like that, but having like you know, and it's not yeah. even like Thor's direct son. He's like his great 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 grandson. Yeah, you know, it. I think it ties into what Snorra appears to be doing and establishing Thor as Hector, 
-hmm. but then there's a lot of generations that need to come between from uh, like the Trojan War period, which I don't even have a clue of what dates those could fall under. Uh, definitely BCE, of course. Um, but a lot of generational gap between that period and to the period of the um, the Vikings, or at least the period of the Migration Age, which mm -hmm. was about five 500 uh, CE. So if he is going to establish Thor as connected to Hector, he needs to kind of fill out the family line. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting that that's how he chooses to do it when trying to establish these people as human. Um, yeah. You know, it, it works to a point, but at the same time, not really. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's one of those situations. He might have had a perfectly uh, logistic, perfectly legitimate reason for for doing it the way that he did or it could have just been like he just said yeah that works put it yeah. in yeah it's like, like yeah we'll, we'll never really know yeah <laughs> oh classic historian snora yeah we'll never know he'll <laughs> never figure it out just put it wherever uh so we we now have established <clears throat> uh odin we've established frig um and then the rest of the prologue is honestly kind of well, this whole prologue has been kind of dry, if I'm being mm. completely honest. It, it is. It's a, it's a dry prologue. It's but interesting. It is. You know, you, you can find interesting things, but, you know, if you're here for the mythology, this part is kind of a slog just to get Sorry, some... guys. Yeah, the, the next ones will be a little bit more... more Jazzy. Not, yeah, more jazzy. There we go. <laughs> but so to, to finish off the prologue, Snora uh, then describes that uh, Odin has the gift of prophecy, as does his wife Frigg. And through this learning, he became aware that his name would become renowned in the northern part of the world and honored more than other kings. So Odin and his wife have a prophecy that if they leave Turkey and they leave the middle of the world and go north, that they will become the greatest of kings and queens and maybe even become gods or like gods to the people mm -hmm. there. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to comment. Uh, I just, I think, I, I just think it's interesting still just this idea that the Norse gods are, are from Turkey. And yeah, there, there is a lot of, um, mythological connections to Troy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, um, the story of Aeneas. <clears throat> Maybe you don't know the story of Aeneas. I barely do. But, um, that's kind of the the rome one of the roman founding mythologies or, or stories um you know this guy aeneas gets kicked out of troy during the trojan war travels to carthage uh sleeps with the queen of carthage and then leaves her and then goes and um helps found the city of rome and that's why rome and carthage don't like each other so mm -hmm. there's a lot of mythology that ties back to troy and a they, lot they, of stuff was happening there yeah, a lot was going on in that fertile crescent of the world. Well, that wasn't yeah. a fertile crescent. Um, one of them. Yeah, one of them. Sorry, folks, yeah. I got my, my histories messed up. <laughs> so uh, Odin and Frigg uh, get this prophecy that say that they will be the greatest of kings and almost like gods if they travel to the northern, northern part of the world. Almost. Oh, not, not gods. But almost. almost gods. Treated as if they were gods. Yeah. 
So they gather up their family, they gather up their followers, and they travel north. And once they, they get to the north, uh, which um, is, you know, Scandinavia, so Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, they make war with the people who lived there. Um, and the people who, who lived there initially uh, began to call Odin and his followers the Aesir. Because they came from Asia. Whoa. Uh-huh. Another little connection right there. So uh, Odin and his Aesir, uh, according to Snorri, establish uh, a great kingdom in, I believe, Sweden. Uh, Sweden is where they establish yes, their, their great in kingdom. Sweden. And then uh, from there, uh, the, the sons and the children of Odin go out and found... Really, really cool. They're really cool, and they they establish these ruling dynasties that you see really prevalently in the Viking Age. Like, um, okay, how do you pronounce that one? I keep messing up with that. The uh, the Inglings, uh, Y N G L I. Yeah, who who could say? Um, but no. So these great uh, dynasties that you see become great kings in the Viking Age are all said to have been descended from Odin's children, who after Odin and the Aesir established a kingdom in Sweden, kind of go out and expand and become kings of the north uh, in, uh, in all the, the Scandinavian lands, in Norway, mm -hmm. Sweden, Denmark, and Saxland, which is Germany, mm -hmm. and in England to a, to a little smaller degree. Yeah, I think, and I think uh, this... Uh, you know, uh, describing the family line uh, from Odin and how, at, you know, at the time that Snorri wrote this, the current rulers of the of the world were descendants from this Odin. I think that's just another way to drive home the idea that Odin and Frigg and all of the Aesir were humans. Mm. You know, you can see their descendants. You can't see gods, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's just another way to to really uh, humanize them. Humanize them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it is an interesting um, kind of choice, I would say, because in his other uh, one of his other works, the Heimskringla, which is the Lives of the Norse Kings, he he touches on on these bloodlines and blood connections as well, mm -hmm. and those were written to try and kind of honor. Um, the the kings of Norway and honor their heritage. So, you know, looking at both of those sources, he is acknowledging that um, this Odin or Odin or how you know whichever pronunciation you want to use um, was an important person, but he stopped just shy of the godhood. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, very crafty of you, good Snorra. <laughs> Way to um, not get yourself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is kind of the conclusion of the prologue um, of the, the prose Edda, where Snorra puts the world into his Christian context and establishes the some of the big players, but establishes them as human and mm -hmm. within a, a human context. So, you know, in the last few minutes here, I think we went a little long, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. So, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, 
Jay, with what we just kind of went over briefly, what should a reader, in your opinion, what should they kind of take away from this prologue? Should it be considered? Should it kind of be thrown out? Is there anything that you think could be gained from a study of the prologue? Or is it just kind of obligatory filler that Sonora culturally had to have? Well, I think... uh if you're going at it as a historian, I think that the prologue is is very interesting to to study and to um, you know look more into uh, just just to understand the culture of um, of Iceland in the 1200s um, and and how Christianity had a play on uh, a Nordic uh, area um, and it uh, you know and it's one of those things where you can take it as literally or figuratively as you want, just with everything else that you'll find in the prosetta. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer on, you know, what, what, if, you know, the what's, if what Snorri is saying is, is true or, or if we're just going to throw it out the window cause he's really biased. It's, he's very biased. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it is worth, worth looking into to an extent. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, if you're reading the Prosetta to try to gain a better understanding of Norse mythology and uh, Norse ancient Norse culture, I think it is important to remember that there is a lot of Christian influence on the Prosetta. Um, so you're, might, you might not be getting um, a very pure idea of what actually um, was going on with the Norse myths, but it's right. a good. It, it's still a really good resource. Definitely recommend reading it if you're interested mm. in the stories. Yeah, no, definitely, and it's it's one of um, <clears throat> one of the one of the issues with it is it really is the only source we have mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the stories. Well, all of the stories, really. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a source anywhere else that has the stories um, that the prose edda has. I mean, there's um, the poetic edda, but it's the same as the prose, basically just written yeah, in a poet, poem form. It, it does have some some divergences and some, mm. some new stories as well. Yeah. Uh, once we get through the prose, we'll go into the, the poetic prob- probably next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a while. Um, but, you know, just the the fact that this is the best source we have for i you know i don't know if you want to call it norse faith at the time if that's too much of a stretch to say or what well, what the know. idea of norse faith would be yes yeah there you go yeah. um you know th- it's all we have um mm-hmm. you know as a, a historian when you're conducting kind of academic research you know if you have a source that is clearly biased. You you take it, but then you try and you know see if there's other sources that support what it says, or if other sources kind of disprove what it says. That's not something that can really happen uh, with with the prosetta because there aren't other sources. Yeah. So we just kind of have to take that bias, but understand it's there. Because if you mm-hmm. don't understand it's there, then it it can kind of mess with your interpretation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the if you're if you're gonna read it, 
um, going to read the Edda, at least give the the prologue a glance. You know, you don't need to spend a lot of time. You don't need to spend great it's, analysis on it's it. A, it's a relatively short prologue. Yeah. Um, it's pretty quick read. Yeah. So if, if you're going to do it, just take a quick peek. It'll put you in the head of Snora and mm -hmm. into the, the world when this was compiled. But, you know, take it with its biased grain of salt. Mm. Um, yeah. Everyone's allowed their own interpretation. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Unless right. it's a dumb one. <laughs> We're looking at you, white supremacists. Yeah, get out of um, here. You don't even know what you're reading. Read. Did you even uh, read it? Definitely not. Probably not. They don't read. I should edit that out. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't like white supremacists. That's... No. Go back to episode one. We don't do it. So anyway, um, with that, we have come to the end of our time. But uh, Jay, thank you so much for starting this uh, discussion with the pros yeah. edit with me. Uh, I look forward excited. to yeah, I look forward to first off the episode with your with your mom coming yes. up eventually, and to delve into this more with you in some future episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm very excited. I've read the pros edit a few times, uh, so I, I'm really excited to hear more about it. Right on. Well, dear audience, thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, and we look forward to um, continuing our expedition into the Prose Edo with you next time on Kavasir's Corner.